Hi, my sacred little sluts, and welcome back to the Sacred Slut Podcast. I'm super excited to welcome my guest today, DJ. He is actually my partner, and we are going to be flipping the script today. He is actually going to be asking me questions, uh, just so you can get to know a little bit more about me and my journey from party girl to priestess. DJ is a relationship dynamics coach specialized in ethical non-monogamy. Through his company, Compersion, he advocates for good mental health in conscious relationships. Welcome, DJ. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. I'm super excited for this episode Mm -hmm. because this episode, I get to reverse the roles, flip the script and ask you questions because I'm sure people are curious to have you um, be the guest uh, and find out more about you since it's your show. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, uh, how do you put pleasure first? (laughs) Thank you so much for asking me. So with putting pleasure first, it's kind of like an ever evolving and changing thing for me, just depending on kind of what I feel like I need to be resourced and and what I feel like I'm needing in my life right now. So right now, how I'm putting pleasure first is by, first of all, wearing comfy clothes, wearing something that like feels really easy and good, but also like still makes me feel cute. Um, So yeah, just like comfort is really important to me right now and just makes me feel like I can be in the moment more easily if I feel comfortable. Um, and then also that's why we're totally in comfy wear right now, <laughs> <laughs> just like flowy, yummy clothes. And then, um, just making sure that I'm taking the time to either do a little bit of moving meditation or still meditation or something like that to start my days. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just being a little bit grounded right now with comforts. I was always curious when you told me that you were going to do a podcast, I thought, um, you were, you were running with the idea of doing, um, from party girl to priestess, Mm -hmm. which I thought was so awesome. Uh, because I feel like so many women, I mean, guys too, and guys, I think last longer in this, in this category, um, sometimes indefinitely, um, like how long were you in party girl mode before you switched to priestess mode? When did you start coaching, uh, what, what came first, um, you know, the chicken or the egg there (laughs) and, and how did that come about? What was your, what, what pushed you, let's start with what pushed you into that. What was the, the needle point movement that, that got you into switching out of party girl mode and saying, I need something more. This is not fulfilling enough. Mm -hmm. So what, what, what brought, what started that? My party girl mode started when I was 16 in high school and lasted well into my 30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, which I think is pretty common, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say so. Yeah. Yeah, especially with our generation. Mm. Um, and I got married when I was 28 and divorced at. 31. And that is when I decided to 
completely blow up my life and change its course. So you're still in party girl mode when you were married, yeah. would you say? Or you were in like a middle limbo stage uh, or how no, was... like partying ramped up even more while I was married because we lived in London together okay. and started doing nose candy all the time. Okay, yeah. And party girl mode, yes. <laughs> um, so yeah, decided that it was time to blow up my life after I'd been living this way of like checking off all the boxes of all the things that I thought I was supposed to do as far as like going to school, finding a good Greek boy to get married to mm. who had like all the right things on paper. Um, but then our relationship was just lacking the real intimacy and connection and that deeper layer and the sex. And so ended up kind of unraveling and falling apart. And that's when I discovered uh, Jaya and the erotic blueprints and decided to become certified as a coach. And well, how did you, how did you find that? How did that come across your, you knew people that, that gave it to you or. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, you as, don't I, have to say who or what. as I was going through my divorce, I, uh, my aunts uh, recommended Mama Gina to me uh, ended up going to New York to take a class, Mama Gina's School of Womanly Arts, uh, which was, you know, amazing, life-changing, transformational, deep work that I was doing there to really get to know myself on deeper levels than I ever had before, get to really know my emotions and how to express them. Um, I think I'd been living my life really on the surface, and, and that course was the first time I was really able to dive deeper to the real juicy shit that was going on. Can you quick summarize what Mama Gina is or does for those that don't know anything about that? Like, what does she offer? What does she... Yeah, so Mama Gina is um, a feminist. She is... Uh, she teaches you that every woman has a drop of the divine in her, which is why the goddess comes in. Okay. Um, it's all about like sisterhood and, and expressing the full range of your emotions and the, the grief and the rage, just as much as the joy and the so ecstasy. So she was the door opening to the goddess. Yeah. Step into the goddess. And world. Jaya was a guest speaker on one of the weekends of the course. Um, developed the erotic blueprints. erotic blueprints. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I signed up to become certified as an erotic blueprint coach. And throughout that six month process, I was meeting a lot of people in that course who were, who had stopped drinking and not because of being an alcoholic or things like that, but because they were on this spiritual path and they, they didn't, um, you know, believe that alcohol was enhancing their life for me at the time. I had, I did not understand it at all. And I definitely wanted to keep drinking. Um, and I just thought it was a little stupid. Even I was like, Oh my God, how could, why would you want to stop drinking or stop partying? Like, mm -hmm. this is so fun. Yeah. And, um, you know, I ended up starting to date a, a guy who was the complete opposite of my ex-husband. He was a DJ and lived in San Francisco and was like this total party lifestyle to the max. So just accelerated that part. Yep. Yeah. And okay. so I ended up partying with him hard for two years. 
Mm-hmm. And towards the end of that relationship is when I, first of all, started realizing that his drug use was really affecting our relationship and his mood. And it wasn't something that I wanted to put up with anymore, which is part of the reason why I left that relationship. Mm. And that was the first time when I started thinking that I wanted to stop drinking and stop partying. Um, So that was in 2018 or 2019. So it took me four years of being sober curious Mm. and you think it was more partying. Do you think it was more seeing your partner like your relationship deteriorating because of your partner, like watching it kind of like a mirror of like, this isn't good for him. It's probably not good for me. Not good for us. Um, So was that was seeing him, seeing someone so close to you, like the, the major deterrent to, get out of it yourself which is yeah it was definitely a catalyst Mm -hmm. but i still kept on going down this path of not wanting to but not Mm -hmm. being able to stop and especially with um i don't know when you're when you're dating and and the people you're surrounding yourself with it's hard to stop when it's like around you all the time so, I mean, as you know, when me and you started dating two years ago and you're really not a big drinker, mm. I mean, that was like the biggest shift in my life that made it really easy for me because I, I didn't want to be doing it. Right. But, but your environment. Yeah. Provided and so, it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been really a, a solid year now. It was April last year that I really made the commitment mm. um, that I haven't been drinking alcohol and... I am so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and just just to just to highlight that, I've been with uh, a few partners that once they started dating me a few months or whatever in, uh, they were like all of a sudden less less of a party person. Um, and and not to say that I don't like to party sometimes, but like it's not my always environment. And it was never something that I tried to pitch to you where I was like, Hey, cut this out or like anything like that. Like I had been on this journey before I met you, but just being with you allowed me to really embrace it. Right. And I'd never pushed it to these, these other partners I had either. So that just goes to show like how much just existing in that environment Mm -hmm. really can make a huge change without even trying. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. I think (laughs) like I've been proud of it. I've really done nothing, (laughs) actually done anything about it for it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So when, so were you then thinking about coaching? Like, did you, when the, when the fog cleared and the alcohol and, and partying and everything, you were like starting to think about a new path or when did the coaching Well, I mean, I coached through the whole time. I've been coaching since 2017. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do feel like I'm able to better coach and Mm -hmm. feel more aligned with myself. And, you know, everything just feels better now that I've cut that out of my life. I mean, you know, it's not like I was drinking every day or anything like that, Mm -hmm. you know, the but like just feeling like shit on the weekends 
and yeah that zaps you for days yeah but yeah i mean i was coaching the whole time so um so when did the i'm sure i i want to track more the the party girl to priestess so was it would you say just very gradual or cutting out the the alcohol and partying yeah that really amplified it though when you were shifting into goddess mode, like was that part of your your goal of like aspirational, like less of this and more of that, or did it just happen that way? I think it just happened that way, mm. and I never really saw it as a problem until I did. Right, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Yeah, until I did. If that makes sense, because I don't even think I think that stuff can be not a, necessarily a problem. And then, like you said, like you take it away, then you realize like, oh, it wasn't a problem, but it sure did hold me back from a lot of stuff that I didn't realize. Mm -hmm. And now it's gone. That's pretty awesome. And I can do X, Y, and Z Mm -hmm. much easier now. Um, So I think that uh, people that don't even necessarily have a problem with it could take a lot from that to be like, oh, try try sitting out for a few weekends and just see Mm -hmm. what it does for you. You might really like that. Yeah. Um, I do love, I mean, I feel like I definitely live in kind of a bubble, but I'm mm. definitely seeing a huge movement of mm. sober curious yeah. people really questioning their relationship with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And I definitely feel like, you know, drinking and sex, like it used to seem like you, I don't know, like it lowers your inhibitions and it makes things a little bit more flowy. But honestly, the the pleasure that you can feel from sex is so much better when you're sober. Like right. you're not numbing yourself out. So, right. Right. Yeah. you know, if you're really looking to deepen the intimacy in your relationship, whether that's long term or whether you're just meeting someone to really determine if you're actually getting along with this person, mm. so much easier to do sober. Yeah. It's sort of a trade off like you you use it as the social lubricant to, to get the, the wheels turning mm-hmm. easier, but then you, the other half of it is not necessarily as connected as it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's probably not, not worth the, the trade, mm-hmm. honestly. Yeah. Uh, so what do you, do you think people that just need to um, really start with learning how to be socially lubricated without? I think that's <laughs> like a major, like once people learn that, that's such a huge part of being able to, the rest does come easier. You still have to, you know, learn things beyond that too. But I think just learning that on your own is such a huge component to mm-hmm. great sexual connection or just, just general connection mm-hmm. um, to be able to do that without having to have a drink or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a lot of practice. I mean, just mm-hmm. getting sober curious, it's like going through all these experiences that you would usually have alcohol mm-hmm. And it's awkward and it's weird and yeah. it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> but that's why, I mean, that's why we do everything that, you know, mm. in the work that we do and in my coaching, it's all about <laughs> literally getting uncomfortable. Mm. It's getting out of your comfort zone so that you can make changes. Um, so, yeah. And you, but, but you are not, um, you're also not completely against, uh, certain substances as helpful, like therapeutic, like we've been looking a lot into um, psychedelics as Mm -hmm. therapeutic kind of things and um, not as a party 
not a, as a means of partying, but um, to better connections and stuff mm-hmm. um, in certain ways, certain um, not, not necessarily just going and doing it yourself and then just expecting this great relationship out of it. But um, there's, there's some awesome stuff coming along and you're supportive of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, definitely supportive of other substances. Um, you know, MDMA mushrooms, mm. um, I think that they definitely have the appropriate time and place and can help enhance your relationship or just help you enhance your, your mood or change your, change your, alter your state. Um, you know, I do think that for me personally, I do like to be able to alter my state sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, the biggest thing that's most important to me is cutting out alcohol, Mm -hmm. um, but still being open to play around with the Mm -hmm. other. Well, the difference between the psychedelic, um, uh, altered state is it's walls coming down to allow you yourself to play within your own, you know, who you really are, as opposed to soaked in alcohol, you're not necessarily who you actually are. You're right. I feel like I become know, a different person. It's, yeah. So it's, it's a very different thing. Um, okay. So I'd, I would like to have you elaborate more on, um, how you got into the coaching, uh, where you, where were you before the coaching? What was the needle mover that got you there? Uh, can you just push into that a little bit more elaborate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before I started coaching, I was in a sexless marriage and really living on the surface level, as I mentioned, not really knowing like what I wanted. And so I think the biggest thing was I was like living life on society's terms of like, default monogamy um and i realized that first of all i realized i was bisexual and growing up in utah my whole life i i knew that i was attracted to women and men but i kind of like didn't really know what that meant i didn't really know that like being bisexual was an option and so like living in london really opened up my perspective on things and I realized that I could really claim that and own that for myself. And then I also was introduced to the book, The Ethical Slut, and I realized that I might want to create relationships on my own terms and that you didn't have to get married and be monogamous. Like, I didn't know that that was an option either. So my mind was just like being blown during this time when I was like living in London, married, And so now, um, well, I guess the biggest needle mover for me was blowing up my life and becoming a coach and going through that program. The biggest thing I learned during that time was the shadow work piece of coaching and really being able to look at my eroticism and see that there was some sexual trauma and some different things that had been blocking me from intimacy in my life. And I was able to heal from that with the tools that Jaya taught us. So that was the biggest needle mover. And what that shadow work 
did was allow me to really see clearly the type of relationships that I wanted to create and the type of people that I wanted to call into my life. And it also allowed me to start experiencing more pleasure and to actually be able to orgasm with a partner, which I hadn't been able to do for several years due to the trauma and emotional blocks that I was holding on to. So that was really kind of the biggest shift that happened for me. And then that led to now me being able to live my life as a bisexual woman, create this relationship with you where we have, you know, open dynamics and not really care about getting married or following that path of society anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's wild once you realize that there's, um, those check boxes are, there's all these other check boxes that you do or don't need to check. Like there's so many more options. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the younger generations are now starting to really realize that, uh, which is cool to see. Um, I'm curious. So you were talking about shadows. I'm curious for, uh, those that aren't quite sure what a shadow is or if they have them, would you say that Every, anybody and everybody has shadows or does it take like a trauma, like a serious trauma to have shadows or could anyone benefit from shadow work? Is it a very general? Yeah, no, I mean, shadows literally everyone has because Mm -hmm. they are the parts of ourselves that we try to hide. Mm -hmm. They're the parts of us that we don't want to identify with. They're our shame, the parts that we kind of push down. Um, and it, and it can also be trauma. It could be something that happened. It could be something that you were taught something that maybe you took on from someone else that you were trying to protect someone. Sometimes they don't even belong to you. Mm -hmm. So, so many, and it doesn't even have to be sexual. It could be anything. Mm -hmm. A great example. Uh, if anybody saw the, uh, Jonah Hill's documentary on Netflix, um uh what is this is he did a documentary with Stutz, his his therapist Stutz, 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 yeah. yeah if uh, he did he did a documentary with his own therapist and it was great and they talk there's a big section on dealing with his um with his shadows and then he brought in a picture a blown up photo of him mm-hmm. when he was like i don't know like 14 know, teenager or something, or something. Yeah. yeah and kind of like talked with him mm-hmm. you know to himself and and uh i think it's really awesome, powerful work that anybody could benefit for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So if anybody's thinking about it, (laughs) dive into that some more. Um, I want to go a little bit more into specifically what kind of uh, coach are you um, in your, in your goddess um, specialty. You, you are a sacred sex in relationship coach. So what is, sacred sex to you um and and how do you teach that to to others Mm -hmm. yeah so for me i really am passionate about bringing that more than physical aspect of sexuality Mm. and so (laughs) yeah so you know i do coach on the erotic blueprints which i think 
are so important and like the foundation of everything of really knowing how you are specifically wired to receive pleasure and being able to tell what, how your partner is as well. Mm. Um, but then I also like to just take that a little bit, a little step further of that heart connection, that spiritual connection. And I think that that's where like the really juicy, yummy intimacy comes is when you take it to that sacred level of connection and can really tap into all of the like micro things that are going on in the relationship and in the sexual experience. And I think all of it really kind of like rolls into one thing, like everything is foreplay, not just foreplay. It's like, how do you communicate with each other throughout the day? How do you appreciate each other, have compassion and empathy and take self-responsibility? Like, I think all of that plays into the sacredness of the relationship as a whole, as its own whole, like org organism. Yeah. And I promise that is the good stuff. To anyone curious that, that, <laughs> that it that just unlocks so much more pleasure. Um, like even like physical sensation when all that is like backed behind it, just pushing it, uh, it, it really like supercharges you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, um, do you think for, for anyone out there that's listening, that's thinking like they might also be ready for that change of, of party girl to priestess, um, or, or any version of that, um, they're just stuck in that party girl mode and they're, they know that they're getting the, the instant gratification that's not that great, uh, you know, and sacrificing the better what they could be having. Do you think that yours came from a catalyst and, and you, you said you blew up your life, um, so you really just and started over. <laughs> do you think that it takes that to do, to, to move into that? Um, or do you think that it just helps or, you know, would you, would you advise saying, okay, I just really need to, is it something you can do gradually or <laughs> do you think it's easier one way or the other? Of course I mean, there's no one answer, but <laughs> I don't want to like, um, you know, give advice on kind of stopping drinking because I think there's such a huge spectrum of where people are at and like, mm -hmm you know, there's people who are alcoholics who really need to follow a program. And then there's people like me who are maybe just sober curious and can, you know, test it out and just reevaluate their relationship with alcohol. So I think if you fall in that category of, you know, you're questioning your relationship with alcohol, you're sick of being hungover on the weekends, feeling like shit, and not showing up for your life in the way that you really desire to, then yeah, I think it can be a gradual process. Yeah. Um, it really was for me and it was just slowly getting to know the reasons of like why I was drinking and how do I feel when I'm not? And I read the book Sober Curious and I did the 100 Day Sober Curious workbook. That really helped me because it gives you journal prompts every single day. Um, so I journaled every single day for 100 days and Is, really processed everything that was coming up for me. Was that the thing you were doing where there were other people? Like, was it through the app? And you could No, like that was a 
book, The Sober Curious Reset. And then I also joined the app I Am Sober, I think is what it's called, mm. uh, which kind of has a counter on it that helps you keep track of how many days. And then it also has a community. So like you can post in the community and it's like everyone is on the same amount of days that you're that yeah. you're on, which is really cool. That's I remember you talking about that mm-hmm. as it was happening and you were just like, this is really inspiring. Like, yeah. I and I do think having community is super important. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I love sober TikTok. I follow so many right. sober accounts on TikTok and that's super fun just to have like daily reminders of like other, what other people are going through. So yeah. 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 That's, I, I even get, uh, I'm not even on that sober journey, but it like, I still get, I'm starting to get those in my feed mm-hmm. because it's becoming so popular, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. And and then sometimes I'll hear like a little tidbit of, uh, you know, just a, a life tip from there that I'm like, oh, that can be applied to anybody. I like that. Right. <laughs> to, to give people kind of like a little bit of a, you know, a checklist of like, these are a few things you could consider doing. Um, uh, so, so possibly changing out their atmosphere. Um, maybe adding some new friends or at least following a couple new accounts that maybe think in different, um, different ways or more. Yeah. I think, I mean, for me finding like accounts to follow was definitely super helpful Mm. and it's kind of funny too, because I feel like the more you talk about it, the more you realize like, I don't know, I've never tried to influence my friends or anything, but just like sharing with them what I'm doing. They'll, they'll tell me, Oh my God, like I've thought about that too. And I hate being hungover. And so like both of my roommates right now are also on this sober curious journey. And like people around me are kind of shifting with me. So it's Mm. just interesting to see how that kind of spreads. Yeah. And and I think, just the word sober, I think used to have such a negative connotation of like to, to partiers. You'd be like, Oh, I don't need that. Kind Mm -hmm. of like, like it was like this, like, you know, just this very, um, too, too straight and narrow to, to be having fun kind of thing. I don't know how to mm-hmm. really describe it, but it, but it was not something people were like jumping to be like, join that, right? join that crew. Um, but, but like you said, like just being around it, it becomes just more like, well, I kind of, I've thought about that. I see what it's doing for you. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I think I want to try that. And more so uh, to that point is as we get older, I know, I definitely notice it. Uh, you you brought it up to me recently, so I know you're noticing in it. We have a little bit of uh, an age gap, not not much, but um, so it's. I feel like it's starting to trickle down to younger ages. Mm-hmm. Um, I we went to a a rave that started at 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. and it was fucking awesome. It was the best thing ever. It was done by 11. 10 or 11. Yeah, <laughs> done by 11. Home, got a great night of sleep, still partied our asses off. Dancing. Yep. It was, it was great. And, and the people that we went with and we're all just like, this, this is better. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows this is better. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, it's pounded in your head when you're young. Like you go out party, you start at midnight and go all night and all this. <laughs> that's stupid. Nobody, yeah. nobody likes that. Yeah. You like it because that's what everybody else is doing. And you, and when you're young, you can handle it and you do have fun. So you just get into this thing that that's what you do but 
it's, there are so much better <laughs> options <laughs> for that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that that plays into a little bit of like, once you try it the other way, you're like, oh, this is better. Mm-hmm. This is a much better way to have fun. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I will just say that with, I think, drinking and relationships, there's kind of like a commonality between them in that they're both pre-programmed into what's expected of you in society. So like drinking is everywhere. It's expected for celebrations. It's expected when you're let down to grieve. Like it's a rite of passage and you know it's, it's a very defaulted it's default alcohol yeah. Yeah. you know if hangovers are acceptable you know yeah. it's like it's part of the checklist of growing up you start drinking it's just expected yeah. same thing with the the relationship track i was on you know it was expected to get married it was so i think both of those things for me we're getting off that path of what society has taught, which I think is really interesting. They're two very different things, but but they're both breaking out of the the molds. Yeah, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Also, for me, growing up in Utah as a non-Mormon, it's like if you're not Mormon in Utah, you're really like out to prove it. And you're, there's this whole like sub alt culture there. And so it's like drinking is like part of the identity and, and for Mormons that like aren't Mormon anymore, they're like so excited to be able to have alcohol. So it's like this whole other world there of the, the importance of alcohol in this anti-religion sort of way, which is interesting. Right. And, and I'm sure that there are definitely other versions of that in different parts of the country or world that totally can relate to that mm-hmm. counterculture push mm-hmm. uh, that, that kids get wrapped up in. Right. And when you're young, it's so easy to get pulled into the majority, you know, especially mm-hmm. when the majority is hooting and hollering, having, you know, what looks like, sounds like fun and is fun at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a, the common trap. So do you have any final thoughts on the journey of Party Girl to Priestess? Um, now, obviously, you know, all, all women don't um, necessarily want to become a sex coach, but I'm sure that there are plenty of women that are in a Party Girl mode or some version of it that would just like to be on, on some level of more the goddess side of uh, life fulfillment. So what, uh, do you have any final thoughts for, to encourage or help along? Yeah, I would just say, you know, one of the, I guess, pillars of the erotic blueprint coach community is putting pleasure first. And so I do think that that really plays into this of like putting pleasure first is how can I feel my best in every moment? How can I bring pleasure to the mundane? How can I enjoy life to the fullest? And so, you know, when you think about it in that way, it's like being hungover is not 
putting pleasure first. Being blackout is not putting pleasure first. Right. It really is in your highest self to put pleasure first, to really feel your best, have all of your five senses ignited, your awareness, your presence, you know, all of that. So if you kind of put it in that frame of reference, I think that path will start leading you. Start, start opening up to you. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> great advice. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. So fun to do a podcast with you. I'm so grateful to be able to share so openly about all things sex and relationships. So if you loved this episode, share it with your friends, subscribe, and I would love if you could leave me a review in the iTunes store. And as a free gift, I'll share with you a guided sacred womb meditation. Simply email a screenshot of your review over to Stephanie at coachingbystephanie.com and I'll send you over this beautiful meditation. Thank you.